What's going on, everybody? Peter Toring here. And Chris Van Bell. And this is the Holmes Real Estate Podcast, going through all the questions you may have about Southeast Michigan's real estate market. We have, again, the fantastic Don Simonton with us. Thanks for being here. Howdy, howdy. And we're going to talk about first-time homebuyers. So again? Those, yeah. These, these oh, mystical creatures. So, They're like unicorns. Let's, so let's let's talk about this. Two millennials are making up a massive portion of the, of the the buying market right now. First time home buyers are well over a third of the of the, the buying market. Uh, they don't buy the way they did ten years ago or twenty years ago. They don't buy the way they did two years ago. Um, so let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is student loans. The vast majority of people that are coming out that have got jobs that have, are applying for loans have got student loans. Yeah. How does how does this affect their mortgageability? Uh, and how does this generally affect what they'll be able to qualify for? Great, great question. What a good lead-in. Okay, so little under a year ago, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac instituted this thing that said no matter what the student loan is, you have to take 1% of the loan balance. So if you owe $100,000 in student loans, you have to take 1%, which is $1,000, and use that as the coinciding payment. So, wow, that is pretty huge because that eliminated a lot of people from being able to buy a home based on their student loan debt. What's recently changed is that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac put out this new guideline that says if the if the credit report says a different payment than one percent, that that's an acceptable payment to use. So you so you're instead of just using one percent of the entire value, now you can say, okay, if we know that the payment is going to be this, we can use this as part of your debt to income. If it's on the credit report, so if it's not on the credit report, and it says deferred then you have to take 1% of the loan balance. Or it's wise for, if the repayment's going to start, to go ahead and do the consolidation of student loans now before you buy a house to get that new lower payment so that that can be used instead of 1% of the loan balance. So if you were on, say you're, you haven't started the process, if you're on deferment now, what's the best plan of action for you? Talk to, talk to your loan officer, put a plan together, figure it out, as far as what type of loan you're going with because different loans have different obligations and rules to student loans. I would say it's important to strategize before you do something that you regret, especially if you're on a deferment, say, for the next six months and you just go ahead and consolidate now, then that's going to kick in the repayment plan where if you don't plan to buy a home for eight months, you may want to go ahead and wait that process out. Now, now going with the student loans and, and some people that I know that have some pretty big loans, um, let's talk about our, our physicians, our doctors, and what, what can you offer for them? Wow, that's really cool that you bring that up because as a, as a physician, as a doctor, including um, and not limited to veterinarians, for example, or dentists, there's a program for doctors and physicians, that different physicians that allow you to negate having a student loan. So if you have a student loan that's deferred and it's deferred for at least 12 months, those payments are not counted whatsoever in the debt-to-income ratio calculation. So it's as if they don't exist because the thought and the theory behind that is your a physician's income in the future is going to be much greater and is going to be able to sustain both the student loan and the mortgage at, at no problem. The other really interesting thing about the physician program is if you have a contract to for hire in the future. Let's say you're you're going through your residency, residency. Mm-hmm. and it's going to be completed within six months and you already know where your future employment's going to be and you have a contract, you can I can get a loan based on that future contract using that income today for that contract that's coming in the future. So essentially we, we can eliminate work history. 
on this physician loan and, and use a, a, a contract that's coming up. So if you, even if you don't have a job as a doctor yet, we can still get your loan. That's right. So in, in this vein of, of the, the programs, another fantastic program we have here in the state of Michigan is called MISHDA. Yes. Great program. So this is the first time homebuyer program. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, great question. So it's technically can be used for repeat homebuyer. We'll talk about that if you want. Um, as far as a first-time homebuyer is concerned, though, it's a person that has not owned a home in the last three years. So that's what defines a first-time homebuyer. If you've not been on title, owned a home in the last three years, you're considered a first-time homebuyer. And this program allows average median income earners at median income defined by the area. So if you're in Macomb County, you would say average median income in Macomb County. And yeah, 64000 mm-hmm, like that. I think 64700 Um, There are some areas that are what's called higher risk areas or areas that they're working to develop more. Like Harrison Township, for example, is one. Royal Oak Township is another one. Really? Yeah, it's very fascinating. They'll actually allow 120% of average median income. So that gives you over $80,000 of family income. Nice. So the program is really cool because it allows you up to um, $7,500 to go towards closing costs and your down payment so it's down payment assistance to pay for closing costs and down payment it is not free money it is a zero percent interest loan that gets leaned onto the house and when you sell the home or refinance you can then pay the money back at zero percent interest loan so if we so essentially we have to make sure that we have got you know some more equity in this house to make sure that we can make up for that seventy five hundred dollars if at all possible so this is something, it's not, like John mentioned, it's not free money. It's got to be repaid if you sell the house. Sure, sure. That's um, a, that's really... So, from yeah, from our perspective, it's something if we're working with a Michigan loan, we want to make sure that we can at least build in a little bit of... And at least explain that, hey, this is a house you may want to stick around in a while right. to gain the full benefits of this program. What, what else do we have available for first-time buyers? I know that we've got the rural development loan. I know that that's not applicable to a lot of people here, but mm. if you're north of what, about 26 mile here? It, that's the way I'd go. Yeah, what, what other programs do we have that are... First-time buyer, or, or let's call it not just first-time buyers, but down payment friendly. Yeah, yeah, okay. So for first-time home buyers, there's another program that FHA uh, that conventional financing has put out called Home Ready, mm-hmm. and it's a program that allows a person they they take an online class at seventy-five dollars, and it allows them to have a loan that's three percent down payment wow. and reduced PMI insurance. So it's a reduction in interest rate, mortgage insurance and a lower down payment than an FHA loan and allows you to get into conventional financing without having to go with the government loan. And you and you and I both know some of the trouble with FHA is when you're up against a conventional offer, it's you're much stronger with conventional financing in your back pocket over FHA. Oh yeah, even if I mean even if the the, the success rate of FHA loans is certainly higher than it was. Yes, but it's yes. wonderful. But you still have that stigma in the in a seller's mind of of taking a conventional loan over a, a an FHA or a VA loan, it's it's more in their mind more stable loan. So I think that's a big benefit to be able to go conventional. Um, just briefly for those of you who would qualify for RD, it's what below eighty two thousand in income. It's zero down. Um, are there any other big points that you need to know? Oh, about I love RD? rural development. So it's um, USDA rural development. If you're buying in Macomb County north of 26 Mile Road, you may qualify nicely for this. It's it's in the 80s. The income for one to four family. When your income, when your family size is five to eight, the income goes over a hundred thousand okay. dollars. It's your it's qualification based on household income, and it's a wonderful loan program that has reduced mortgage insurance. It's one third of the amount of FHA. 
It's zero down, and it allows you to roll in closing costs if your house appraises for higher at the beginning of your loan. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, it's nice. a really cool feature. So if, you're, if your home appraises for one fifty and your sale price is one forty five, if you have $5,000 of cost, you can put that into your loan. That's fantastic. That's, it's, there's a lot of good options out there for you know, people that are, in addition to, we haven't even gone into, of course, in, there's, we have an entire other podcast about seller concessions. There's a lot of ways for buyers, you know, a lot of ways for buyers to get into a house right now for not a lot of money. I think my average buyer is bringing like, first time buyers bringing like less than 7000 My last RD ended up walking away with a check at the table. Yeah, yeah they, they were bring, able to get money back because of their earnest money deposit and because they had the appraisal out of pocket. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, and that's, so there are a lot of ways, so... We've talked about this before that runners are at just an absolutely all-time high. It's like what, like 56 percent, some crazy amount of runners uh, right now. It's the highest we've ever been, and and it's really it makes me sad to see this. It's it's depressing to me because the, it doesn't need to be that way. We don't need to see people throwing money away, throwing and throwing mass amounts of money away. Well, a lot of the things with the runners is it's their own perception of what they can and are able to to get into right now, and the programs that are available. There's just not the education out there that we'd right. expect in, in our industry. People are like, oh, you know, I, I've only got a 680 credit score. It's like, what? Well, or if there is the education, it's the wrong education. And this is what the next point I want to make here is we have a lot of people coming to us and say, well, why can't I click a button and get a mortgage? We do everything else online. Why can't I click a button and get a mortgage? Why can't I go to actually, oh, my, why huge. shouldn't I go to my bank that I already have a checking account and, and get a mortgage? Um, and it's... You, th- you look and say, yes, it's been advertised very heavily. Yes, it's easy. But if this is not, you're not buying something on Amazon here. We're purchasing your house. We're getting your mortgage. This is going to affect, this is the largest transaction of your life. Right? So, Don, what, what is in your mind the biggest, I, I always recommend to my clients that they use a qualified expert local lender like Don. And it has saved a lot of headaches for a lot of people. But what, in your mind, is the the biggest reason to use a local lender versus one of these I call them the mortgage mills, the big banks, uh, or somebody that you're just kind of a number in a name? You don't know the lending guidelines, and it's so fascinating to see some of these big banks that will just spit out these qualifications, these automated qualifications based on what you input. But you're you don't know you don't know what it takes to qualify. For example, I have clients that will have inputted loans, their information on these different mortgage sites, not realizing that they've only been working overtime for six months and you can't use overtime if you haven't been there two years. Or they have two jobs and they've only had two jobs for three months, not realizing that you have to have two jobs simultaneously for two years in order to use both incomes. Or how about the fact that maybe you have your hairdresser part-time and you work at GM and you have $20,000 of losses, but you didn't think that you needed to disclose that, and now you don't qualify for your loan. So there's all kinds. In addition to other things like depositing cash or changing jobs, there's so (laughs) many things. There's so many little nuances that you don't know and you don't realize. And if you want to apply for an online mortgage, we have this program called Snap Mortgage, and it's pretty cool. You can upload your documents. You can apply. You can get automated approval. You can get a a pre-approval letter any time of the day or night, but you want to have it with a backed mortgage reliable that will that will look over everything, that has experience, that will check the numbers and verify to make sure that it matches out. It's a true pre-approval. And this mm-hmm. is also in addition to 
of course, enhanced customer service versus a bank. You know, they're going to be dealing with you and your team. You know, they're not dealing with 25 different people. They're not being passed off from hand to hand to hand. Uh, and, and of course, too, you know, the I do think it there's some value in having somebody you trust handle the biggest transaction in your life. Just like I think with Chris and I's business, having you know having someone you trust, I think is, is very important. Absolutely. What's interesting is in credit unions, it's called a QSO. It's most 80% plus of credit unions, they do not use in-house, they don't have in-house lenders. They don't have in-house loan officers. They use what's called um, members first mortgage. And what that means is they outsource their mortgages to a third party and then they private label them. So it might say um, credit union one on the front end, but in the back it's being it's being pushed out to a third party. I just closed on with a credit union. It was a it was a nightmare. It was an and absolute not, and not nightmare. To, we're certainly not here to bash credit no. unions or anything like that, but just no, it's just stating the importance of having at least talking to an expert first. And and you know, and I always recommend. I, we always give multiple names. We always give you say, hey, do your homework. Uh, but I think that talking to someone who knows what they're talking about, and you know, this is all you do all day every day. Yeah, you know, you're not also handling you know accounts, personal and, you know, loans, exactly. and accounts. I love credit unions for their personal lines of credit mm-hmm. for their um, auto loans. They just do a really nice job with with those high contact items. Right. So uh, you brought up a, a point that I thought was interesting when you were talking about qualifying, and I think that's being self employed. So if you're a hairdresser, you are a server, you have your own business. Tell us a little bit about what it takes for someone like that to to get approved. I have a lot. That's, I have people tell me that's important for I, us. Yeah, I can't get approved for a loan because I'm a X, Y, or Z. And I said, no, 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 that's not the case. Right. Right. So tell us about that. Okay, so the coolest thing about being a mortgage banker is we have accessibility to every program that's out there. So the nice thing is we are, you've heard the terms Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. Mm-hmm. So Fannie Mae is not so keen on self-employed borrowers. They want a two-year average history, and if your income is declining, they usually frown upon it and won't give you a loan. Freddie Mac is different. They are also the other side of conventional financing and oftentimes they only want one year of tax returns and oftentimes they don't care about the declining income because they're only requiring one year and so it's hugely important that you have accessibility to a mortgage person that has both options so that if Fannie is negative on self-employed you can flip it to Freddie where they might have more generous guidelines I just did that for a client just recently on a refinance, and we flipped it over to Freddie, and they only wanted one year of tax returns. That's, I mean, that's that alone is huge. Um, but what, what about, do you have any tips for those of us who are self-employed and are looking to <laughs> start claiming more on your taxes? Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> what are the what's the okay, best? Okay, I got, got I got a couple tips. Go for it. Okay, okay, cool. So a couple things. Make sure that you claim as much as you can up to the purchasing of the home. Here's an interesting thing. Depreciation is a write-off for you and an item that I can add back in as income because it's only a paper loss. So it's better to depreciate your equipment, your vehicles, than take a mileage, than take the mileage. Especially if you're looking to buy a home. Because let's say that you have $8,000 worth of depreciation. So let's say you had $50,000 of income but you have $8,000 of depreciation, so your net income is $42,000. Well, 
Well, for me, for income calculations, it's $42,000 plus $8,000 or $50,000. So I can add that back in as income, which, mm. is, which, is a, which is a really nice saving tip. Same thing with rental property. If you have rental property, always, always, always make sure that you depreciate your property because it's a paper loss for you, allowing you to pay less taxes, but I can add that back in as income. That's that's a I like big. it, especially since I'm considering rental properties. I know you are too, Peter. Yeah, that's that's big. It's big, and it's and it's big to understand these things. This is why I tell people start talking to your lender or your realtor before you're ready to buy. Here. You, know, you don't have to wait until you you're offering tomorrow. That, that to is this. absolutely huge. It's nothing yeah. like you know knowing you have somebody that's already got their stuff in order, knowing that they talk to the lender instead of walking through a house. Without that letter in your right. hand, I mean that's a whole that's a whole another podcast. Yeah, I, I mean there's no there's no no reason that we should ever be doing that, uh, but it does it helps when you're prepared and when you, sure. you you know you're instead of being like I said rushing into it. So the other thing, Don, is what what are the big the big oopsies that first time mattress money, made? baby? Come so, on, I got I got that. twenty grand in my I'm mattress. Sure you got some crazy stories of, well, of people that have done some, so, some crazy first time buyer mistakes. Well, it's not even first time home buyer mistakes. So I have a client that we were closing two weeks ago on Friday. It's Thursday, and we're doing a final verbal verification of employment just to make sure he's still employed. And he had quit his job and was starting a new position on Monday. So <laughs> Monday comes, he starts his job. By the end of the week, he had quit that job. And returned to a, and he said he returned to an, his old job. Well, he returned to an old job that he had four years ago. So he quit job A, went to job B, quit job B, and went to job C. And oh. all in like a seven-day period of time and was mad at me and worried that he'd lose his interest rate because I had a lock expiring and he had transitioned jobs three times and didn't understand how come that was a big deal. <laughs> Although I gave him a Ten Commandments sheet, he and yeah. his wife on things not to do. So this is this is reason number seven hundred and twenty-two. Why we have a first-time buyer consultation. You, you meet with us in the office. We go oh, through geez. all. Of this was not a first-time buyer. Yeah. It was like they were like late forties. This has been their so seventh home. Before. I mean, it was really. We close. We we actually just closed on Friday, so two weeks after this whole transition. Wow. So you still got them closed. We got you know what, and we got them closed. It's unbelievable. We got them closed without a new pay stub, just with the promise that they're going to give us their pay. So we did a verification of employment, got it in writing, what their job is, and wow. the underwriters allowed, allowed us to close saying that we would get them a new pay stub by next week. Wow. I, I have to pick up my jaw off the floor off that. The, yeah, the, I'm you're still able to close that. Um, speechless. The, the rule we always tell people, too, it's, you know, and maybe you can add to this, but it's no new lines of credit. Don't put anything you know, big on the credit cards. Furniture purchases, don't go buy a boat. Don't you love when you see on, on Facebook somebody buying a house, one of your clients, and there they are in brand new BMW or <laughs> right. Corvette or okay. something like that? What but are some of the other things wanna, to stay away from? Let me just tell you why that is, though. Do you know mm-hmm. why? I, I have a general, but let our, let, our, let our people know. Okay, cool. So it's interesting. What happens is when you first take out credit, you do a, you, there's a hard credit pull, a full credit mm-hmm. inquiry. Then the, you go through the mortgage process, and at the end of the process, the mortgage lender has to do a soft credit pull. And the soft credit pull tells them if there's been any, any new inquiries, new lines of credit opened, or if current charges have exceeded 10% of their usage. So if you go and you make a big purchase like furniture or you open up a new credit card, it's going to get flagged in that soft credit pull. And then everything stops. Investigation takes place. 
credit lines have to be updated, supplement credit supplements have to be ran. It doesn't mean that you, it, it, it rarely means that you don't get to buy, but it always is a delay of game. Right. And well, that's, that's the last time. How often, how often do we get that where somebody is like, yeah, I, I want to make sure I have furniture for my brand new house. Yeah, just do, do it after. Just, just went to the store and got wait. new credit and bought, you know, 20 grand worth of furniture. It's like, this no. Was, and, and that's okay, but wait. Wait till, wait till after. Wait till 1 p.m. after your closing exactly. is at 11 a.m. Exactly. Just wait. Uh, you know, any other big things that we gotta we gotta take note of? If if you are if if you're Mr. or Mrs. First time home buyer and you're sitting there right now getting ready to buy, any any like last parting words of wisdom for them? Yes, I have one more in cash. So yes. cash That's does not favorite. go into your bank accounts during your lending process. You do not put cash in because. The government scrutinizes cash. For one, they, if you have cash going in, that means you're not paying taxes on something. That's the, the perceived thought. And according to the Patriot Act, it gives an opportunity for war and terrorism, identity theft, and to check out money laundering is a, is a big thing. Mm-hmm. So, but here's an interesting factoid that I'll share with you. So on a conventional loan, on a government loan, I have to have the donor's bank statement. But on an FA, on a conventional loan, I just need a copy of the canceled check. So if you talk to me, if you talk to an expert, we would tell you, hey, if you have cash, you could get you could de- you could deposit it in a relative's account and then you have them provide you with a, a check for that money, for that down payment money, and then we just have to get a canceled check or proof that the money's cleared the account and we don't need the donor's bank statement. So there's there's so there's workarounds if you have mattress money that you want to use for a down payment yeah. or something like that. I mean, legitimately, some people are very uncomfortable with banks and will pull money. It's legitimate money. And it's money that's already been taxed, but the government doesn't like you to have cash right. anyways. Right. I, I pull out a portion of all yeah. my checks and put them in my safe. A lot of us do. do a lot of us do. Yeah. And well, it makes you sense. never know. You never know. Mm-hmm. I'm guilty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God forbid you're prepared, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been fantastically enlightening. Enlightening, and, and if you want to know more about the real estate side of buying, Chris and I would love to talk to you. If you are considering getting a mortgage or refinancing, right? Yeah, I love that. Both. Give Dawn a call. Her number is going to be right there on the right of the podcast. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, it will be underneath. Guys, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you very soon with some more fantastic, wonderful ideas and commentary about our real estate market. Don, thanks for being with us. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Bye. Take care.